1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Hockey News on the E! Podcast. I'm Jacob Stoller alongside Justin Cohn from the Fort Wayne Journal-Gazette. Justin, how are we doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Jake? Pretty good, all things considered. I feel like I'm getting kind of sick, but we'll see. I guess I'm like on the short-term IR. Who knows? Uh, maybe I caught yours, whatever you had, a couple weeks ago virtually. You know, the
0: the, the the hockey writer illness is supposed to be a little bit easier, a little bit earlier in the season, you know, not so much in mid-February. Yeah, but, exactly. Uh, but I do remember when I first started, and this was way back before you were even a glint in anybody's eyes, this was ni- <laughs> 1997, and I showed up for my first practice, and uh, all the writers kind of looked at me and started laughing, and they were like, welcome to the eight-month cold, I think is what they said. Eight month cold. Yes, because you're just, you're going to morning skates. I mean, you're just, and they were right. It's really been more like a 25
1: year cold. Right. But they were really on to something. Serious question though. Okay. I just realized this like a couple days ago and I really thought about it. When you like interview a guy at morning skate after, do you shake their hand? Uh, <laughs> I sometimes do. I have to uh, be honest. I do. And I really regret it now.
0: What do you mean? Like, just because you feel gross?
1: Yeah, like, kind of. Like, I feel like after the last two years, I should have more awareness. Like, that sounds so silly, but it's ridiculous. Sorry, it doesn't sound silly. It's so silly, the fact that I shook their hand. Well, it bothered me pre-pandemic,
0: because then your hand smells like a the the inside of a hockey glove yeah so i feel like i was better prepared for the pandemic than most people because that was one of the big reasons that i was always carrying big bottles of hand sanitizer with me was to get that
1: glove smell out so So do you shake their hand though after like is that your like is that customary because i don't know like i interviewed justin Barron on the canadians on saturday and like i'm not feeling that great maybe he has a cold should i set a prep should i set up a freedom of information request Well, I feel like now you have a built-in excuse. All of us who are maybe germaphobes
0: now have a built-in excuse to just be like, you know, elbow bump or whatever they're doing now. But I usually just read the situation. If a player looks like he's going to extend his hand, thanks for the great conversation. I do it. It's polite. It's gentlemanly, all those things. But I definitely have hand sanitizer. But do I initiate? Usually I do not.
1: Yeah, I got to stop initiating that. I don't even know why I do it because most of the time they probably don't want to shake my hand.
0: Well, you know, somebody told me something. I I don't know if this fits the situation, but, um, you know, a lot of these teams, like they are healthier than a lot of us are now because if there's any question, you know, they're testing guys, even to this, you know, even at this stage, you know, they're testing guys, they're staying stay home because they don't want to get the whole team sick. So there's an argument to be made that in a lot of ways they're being
1: more careful than we are now. There's an argument to me that I should be shaking every hand. You're right. I should yes. shake their sweaty hands. Yes. Um, speaking of the Canadians and more so the NHL, that's an interesting segue, but last night we had an awesome NHL debut in Kevin Mandalese, who sought 46 saves in what would be his first NHL win. And Kevin Mandalese played in the ECHL this year. He actually played six games with the Allen Americans. He started the year in the AHL with Belleville, went down to Allen, at, I think it was in November, came back up, did decent, and then out of, you know, circumstance Anton Forsberg on the Senators tore both his MCLs a couple of days ago. Mandalese comes up and quite the debut. Um, an awesome story. And I think we get, you know, one of these once every year sort of thing. Goalie comes up the ranks, has a great debut. ECHL, such AHL lifer, Michael Hauser, remember, was pretty recently as well. I want to ask you when you look at the Kevin Mandalese story from first glance, Justin, is it a testament to a how weird goaltending is B. people overlooking Mandalies C. the quality of the goalies that come through the ECHL. Like maybe we're underrating them as a whole. Uh, I, I think it's probably two out of those three,
0: um, you know, first off, uh, and we've talked about it before, the goaltending is strong in the ECHL, right. If there is a depth position throughout uh, hockey, it's it's goaltending because there's limited, uh, you know, uh, available spots. So you know that the fifth guy on your NHL team's death chart, which is probably a guy that the team actually believes in, he could be at the ECHL level. So that's why you see these quality guys, and you've mentioned Michael Hauser, a guy that I covered for a long time, you know, being able to ascend to the NHL during the pandemic and do pretty well. It doesn't shock me. You know, these are the guys that are the big prospects that we find at this level. And you know, I, I, I don't know that I would say that people missed him. I mean, this is a guy that has spent most of his pro career in the AHL. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just kind of deaf positions and wanting to get him some playing time, lands him in Allen for a little bit. And I think the most of his playing time with Allen was in December. Uh, but, you know, it doesn't shock me. You know, I, I just think there's a lot of quality goaltenders. And as we've touched on with this show, you know, teams, even at the ECHL level, um, you know, sometimes they can forget a little bit about the forwards and the defensemen, but the goalies down there, they send their goalie coaches to work with them. Uh, you know, they, they definitely keep an eye on them. They are concerned about the amount of playing time, the high leverage situations that they get in. You know, I think there really is an eye from the NHL level to make sure they keep a good watch on the goalies that maybe doesn't always extend to the defensemen and the forwards. So I think that's, this is a good example of that.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I think, too, like, didn't we talk last episode about if uh, the ECHL was too hard on prospects? I know it was for, for Kosa, but I think this is another example of how it's beneficial, right? He's a guy that wasn't getting playing time in the AHL. at certain times, goes down, puts a 927 save percentage in six games for Allen, comes back up, plays a lot better hockey from that point, like, after the the call-up to now, which is when he was needed for an NHL game, and I'm sure that was a big part of it, right, getting those reps,
0: yeah, and, and I think one of the things you got to keep in mind is sometimes people, you know, they they pull up, you know, Hockey DB or Elite Prospects or whatever, and they look at the stats and they're like, well, this guy, you know, he's in the ECHL and he had an 880 save percentage and he's won one game. Like, this is a, a major Cinderella story, but you can't always read into the stats when it comes to the goalies, especially at this level. I mean, depends on the team. Depends on the shooters, depends on so many different things. You know, Ryan Fanty is an Edmonton Oilers prospect who's down with Fort Wayne. Uh, he played three and three nights last weekend. He's been playing a bunch of games. I mean, this is it's crazy the workload he's going into with a team that's been a little spotty defensively, and that greatly affects his numbers, but it doesn't mean he's not a really good NHL prospect. So, um, you know, I, I just think there's a lot of different situations, and they're all unique to these guys. But at the end of the day, just really good goaltenders at this level. And the shooters at the end of the day, um, it's not there isn't a huge separation between ECHL shooters and NHL shooters like you would assume. The difference is the way they think the game and can they string together those tic-tac-toe passing plays? And do you have the defensive support? But in terms of just how well they shoot and how hard they shoot, I feel like a lot of goaltenders at the ECHL level, they'd be
1: like, yeah, I think I could deal with a lot of that if I got a chance in the NHL. I don't disagree with you. It's funny, too. One last thing before I move on. It's funny because, like, you would know this better than me, but, like, in ECHL, when they play three and fours, or four, whatever it is, three and threes, it's not the same goalie playing every night, right? (laughs) Not usually, but sometimes it is. I've seen a lot of it this year. Um, What about prospects? Like, what about NHL? Like, are, are, are teams riding their AHL or NHL contracted guys back-to-backs?
0: It can happen. You know, it depends on what the NHL team wants, what the player is comfortable with. Uh, some, you know, I've just seen a lot of different situations. So, you know, to get back to this Fante, uh situation, you know, they're in Texas. They got three games. I never would have imagined that fantasy was right. going to play three games in three nights. Their other goaltender, Colton Point, coming off a concussion – They didn't quite feel he was quite ready for game action, but he could back up. Fanti was like, look, I don't mind. I'll play. I'll give it a go, whatever the team needs. And he knew this may not be the best thing for his save percentage and whatnot, but he wanted to play. So he did it. And I think teams do like to see that. But in answer to your question, it's very situational. It really is. I mean, uh, I've seen teams say, no, we don't want him playing that often. I've seen others say, no, get him as much work as humanly possible. So I think it is very situational.
1: Absolutely. So speaking of, so Manoli's played in Allen and Allen's head coach had what you called a terrific tantrum. Uh, but now, you know, before we got on there, you said it wasn't too good. So I want to know what you think. Allen's Allen Americans head coach, Chad Costello freaked out over something through his jacket while he's walking off the bench and towards the tunnel, which is like diagonal from the bench. So we kind of a long walk of shame so much so that you could put the curb, your enthusiasm music there as two players are skating beside him. If you want to check it out, go to Justin's Twitter and that's at sports. I cone sports. I, and then C O H N. Yeah. Interesting situation here. I think it's actually hilarious. I don't know if I've ever seen the, uh, the blazer spike, if you will, what do you make of that one?
0: Well, so let's set the scene a little bit because it does coincide with some things we've mentioned on the show. A guy that we've brought up probably four times, Mikhail Robodeau, plays for Allen, gets suspended all the time. So there is a fracas in the corner between him and Daniel Maggio of Fort Wayne. There are cross checks. There's everybody's getting involved. And when it's all sorted out, somehow Fort Wayne has a four-minute power play. So... That's what Chad Costello was angry about. Uh, I, I guess he had a bit of a point, but when you have Mikhail Robodeau, you do kind of reap what you sow, so I'm not shocked that it happened. So, so he's angry about the way this was adjudicated, and you're right. He's, he's slamming the door. He's throwing things. He gets tossed. The dry cleaning winds up on the ice, which is funny because I think he was trying to throw it toward the linesman and ended up hitting his own player in the face. And then you're right, like he's walking, doing the walk of shame and his alternate captain, I think it was Hank Crone, uh, or Jack Holmes maybe, was um, carrying his jacket, which was pretty hysterical. So it definitely was entertaining. Uh, When you get into disrobing as part of a coach uh, tantrum, everything will always be compared to Greg Pankowitz, who was the Colorado Eagles coach, and this would have been about 12 years ago. And he did like a literal like strip tease. It was taking off articles of his clothing, throwing it onto the ice. Everything will always be compared to that. And of course his is really compared to Ned Braden from Slapshot, not a coach tirade, but a player tirade. So if you've seen Slapshot, you know, I think all disrobing is sort of compared to that one in hockey. But Chad Costello, very funny, gets a one game suspension I actually personally think that was too much. I think it's great free advertising for the ECHL. He missed half the third period. Uh, Give him a fine. I I don't really see who was hurt by this, but ECHL punishment. Our friend Joe Ernst obviously didn't like that one. So uh, very very entertaining. Um, I don't know what's have have you seen a better uh, coach tirade?
1: Like if I say coach tirade, do you have a favorite in hockey? I don't know. I think my favorite tirades are the ones in baseball, honestly, minor league baseball, particularly those are like, in my opinion, bar none, the best, because the best part for them is they have so many objects to play with. Like they can go pick up a base, throw it. Didn't, didn't a coach once pretend like the ball was a grenade or something like it was, he was, he was losing his mind. I think it was in like Pennsylvania, but I think for hockey, we don't usually see uh, the flare that Costello threw in that one where he's uh, using objects. as like kind of insinuated. I'm trying to think of the time I have my favorite meltdown. I mean, oh, well, I mean, the NHL, I know it's not the minor leagues, but when, when uh, Pittsburgh and Philly and like Tony Granato was standing on the uh, stanchion between like where Ray Ferraro stands and was, was just like kind of walking a plank. At at one point, like trying to balance himself while yelling at the other coach, Uh, producer Connor says Rass throwing the milk crate. Uh, Yeah, that was a good one. See, that's probably that's an all timer. Um,
0: See, don't underrate what hockey used to be like before we had that little cubicle between the benches, which is now you know often the sideline reporter or the photographer. So I can I'm old enough. Well, I'm old enough that I remember the era when there was nothing there. And one of my favorite memories was Red Wings, Red uh, Red Wings, Maple Leafs. And the coaches were John Brophy and Jacques Demers. And this isn't really a tirade. This was just two guys that really genuinely hated each other. And they would try to, like, fight each other through, uh, (laughs) through that little... I guess the stanchion, the little glass between the benches. I mean, they would jump over it. They would try to hit each other. They were throwing things at each other. So little Justin in 1987 was loving this stuff. Uh, So, you know, I think that we really did a disservice by putting people between the benches there because, you know, there could have been great altercations and tirades.
1: Absolutely. We're going to stick with Alan here because they're our team of the week the Allen Americans, the ECHL affiliate of the Ottawa Senators. Since 2015, actually, Ottawa has had five different ECHL affiliates. Evansville, Wichita, Brampton, Gwinnett, which is now Atlanta, and now we're at Allen. Allen's won two Kelly Cups since joined the ECHL in 2014. And since entering the league, they've been affiliated with San Jose, Minnesota, Seattle, and now Ottawa. So the Americans recently created some buzz uh, with the coach, but you know, there's also, they're doing very well this year. Um, let's get, before we get, and a lot of them aren't just NHL, AHL contracts that are sort of leading the way, but first let's talk about those guys. So there's two players in the roster that have AHL contracts. That's Zachary Massacote and Xavier Bernard. What can you tell us about those guys? Let's start with Massacote.
0: So, you know, Zach's, uh, he's young. He's only 21. He's out of the queue. Uh, really good two way, uh, defenseman, six goals and 15 points. Um, I see him going, Really above his production from juniors last year. I think he had 18 points last season. Um, Bernard, also a defenseman, a little bit older. He's 23. Uh, you can see the upside with him. He was a fourth round pick of the Devils back in 2018. Uh, he's got eight assists in 17 games this season. So he hasn't played a ton, but he's a big guy. He's six foot four, also out of the queue. He's also got AHL experience. He's more of that prototypical big two-way defenseman who you hope is going to clear out the net in front of your goaltender and maybe chip in a little bit at the other end. So, you know, you can see upside with both of those guys. I really like Massacott. Uh, He's been an opportunistic guy when I've watched him. But uh, all season long, Allen has only had four players all season uh, on NHL or AHL contracts. So as much as we talk about some of these teams embracing the affiliation model. Sometimes you do see some outliers and not that it's necessarily Allen's uh, fault that they haven't had a lot of prospect, but they are one of those outliers in terms of the the stable of prospects that they've
1: had this year. Absolutely. How about Bernard where or is he stock up against them?
0: Uh, well that's what I was saying. You know, he's he's the big guy. You know, he's he's the six foot four guy that I feel is is really, you know, sort of that prototypical guy. And and like I said, you know, devil's uh devil's draft pick and uh you know i see him being a guy that can uh can uh make some waves if he gets back to the ahl
1: so i should like how do you the two like what like you know who has more upside so i should have maybe specified that
0: oh okay uh well i like massacott you know he's 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 young uh i i like what he does offensively he's gonna help you out more on special teams but you know 21 that can be a mixed bag sometimes certainly needs some polish to his game so uh, but, you know, I, I like them both, but I very much like Massacott in terms of his ability to move up given a little bit more seasoning.
1: For sure. So, as I kind of mentioned before, a lot of Allen's success has been via some really strong ECHL guys, right? And which is, I don't know, is that a rarity in general? Like, is that, or is, am I maybe naive to think that?
0: Well, so uh, obviously I'm in Fort Wayne. I sort of make a lot of comparisons between Allen and Fort Wayne in terms of they they bounce around to a lot of different affiliates and I think they have a a, sometimes the challenge in some of these markets is finding the balance between success and developing guys and in a place like Fort Wayne and a place like Allen they want winners above all else and if they can't find the right affiliate to get on the right page with them sometimes you don't see Ida. What they've done is they have built a team with a lot of their guys, guys that clearly Chad Costello knows and trusts, guys that have a, a great body of work at this level in Europe, a lot of accomplished scorers. So uh, I was surprised that they kind of got off to a slow start. I'm less surprised that they've been playing a lot better lately because when you look at all these guys, you knew that they had the tools to put, score a lot of goals, be really good in transition, be really dangerous offensively, all the things that they're doing right now. So they've still got a lot of work to do to make the playoffs, but they look like a team that if they do make the playoffs, they're going to be really scary because they got all these experienced guys with less worry that some of them are going to be called up at any moment, right. which is one of those things that you like if you're in a place like Allen.
1: Before I get to the four guys that are highlighting it, is there ever a risk that those guys are going to leap to Europe?
0: Oh, there's always a risk. So as we record today, you know, this is the... As of the, now, right. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's the deadline day. But, you know, I think usually when you go out and sign some of these guys, like Colton Hargrove, a guy that we're going to talk about, you, you need to be on the same page with them. Like, sure. do I need to worry about you leaving? Of course, you know, never say never. But hopefully with your nucleus guys, you have compensated them in such a way that right. you don't have to worry about that. And maybe it's some of these lesser guys sure. that, hey, I got an offer. I just can't refuse it. I'm going to Germany. See you later. But, you know, there's always a risk. But there's a risk with that with any team. I mean, we saw uh, Hunter Fegis. You know, yeah. he, he, he uh, a got a friend of the show. You know, he went to Europe uh, just this week. Or So you, you just never quite know who's going to leave, and sometimes you just can't control it.
1: Let's get to the four guys that are leading the way for the All-Americans. Let's start with, as you mentioned right now, Colton Hargrove. Let's start with him, the Americans' captain.
0: Yeah, so he, he's he been on fire. 24 goals, 46 points in just 40 games. He is on a 21-game point-scoring streak as we record this show. During During that, he's got 32 points, uh, but he is not the only one streaking. I know you're going to bring up some other names, but Hargrove is 30. Not the biggest guy he took off last season after playing a couple seasons in Austria. So just, I mean, he's one of those guys that's savvy. He's going to burn you from everywhere. He's maybe going to lull you into a little bit of a false sense of security. And then you'll, all of a sudden you look at the score sheet at the end of the night and he's got two assists and you've lost by a goal. And he's a big part of that. So really nice player in in all uh, facets of the game. And he's got the longest streak in the league all the season.
1: Speaking of streaks, Jock Combs, 11-game point streak for himself as well.
0: He's the sniper. Uh, You know, I've seen him play with a lot of teams, and he will score a lot of goals in high-leverage situations. Leads the league right now with 26 goals. He's been doing it forever. He's 35. Again, not big, six feet tall. So that's one of the things that you notice with some of these forwards is they are small guys. So they're speedy, they're slithery, but if you could catch them in the right, you know, if you've got speed and size, that might be a way to contain them. But the big thing is you just cannot be caught uh, up high if, because they'll get you in transition.
1: And then the two other guys are rookies, Hank Crone and Liam Finley. Let's start with Crone.
0: Uh, 23 goals, 40 points in just 43 games. I mean, he is uh, a very dangerous player. Um He's only five foot nine. He was a college guy, played uh, at Northern Michigan and at Denver. And Finley, who we're going to talk about in a second, he also played at Denver. So I like these situations where you get guys that have experience playing together because you know you can put them on a line together and they're going to jive really well. So if you don't mind, I'll just go into Finley. He's the guy I really like. Uh, he's only five, five foot seven. He's uh, been pro for three years, but is considered a rookie because he played in places like Slovakia. Which does not affect your standing as a rookie at the ECHL level. Um, but both those guys, just very opportunistic, very hard to get. They will get you in transition. They will burn you on special teams. They will play like Bulldogs down low. So, you know, i just those four guys offensively. Allen is just so dangerous. And if you sleep on them, they will burn you going the other direction. So, really, the key is you got to keep the puck down low and you cannot chip in offensively. Because if you do, there's every uh, opportunity that they're going to get a, a you know two-on-one, three-on-two rush. Saw that happen a lot last Thursday against Fort Wayne. So, Allen, very dangerous team offensively.
1: Let's get to our prospect of the week. And that is Beck Warm, 23-year-old goaltender for Cincinnati. 19-6-4 record with an 8.99 save percentage on an AHL deal with Rochester. But he's playing in Cincinnati now, as I mentioned. Justin, what's the 4-1 to on Warm? He is a goalie that I just love. I think
0: he's, you know, doing really well this year. Um, You know, just very consistent. Uh, What I like about him is he's sort of, uh, I feel like he's been underrated his whole career. You you go back to how he started in the WHL, uh, started playing when he was 15, got lit up in his first game, which was an eight to one loss, stayed with Tri-City, uh, Was with them for years until 2019-20 when he was traded to the Edmonton Oil Kings. Was not drafted in the NHL. Impressed at development camp with the Washington Capitals in 2020. Ended up with the Chicago Wolves. And for me, that's where it really started to get impressive. I mean, he did some good work in the AHL. um, And, you know, spent, I think, a surprising amount of time in 21-22 with Norfolk, which is you know, not a real strong team. He was still 7-10-1 with a 9-12 save percentage. And then, uh, you know, his NHL deal was not renewed, so became a free agent this year and landed uh, with the Rochester Americans and now the Cincinnati Cyclones. And I think that is a perfect position for a guy like him because Cincinnati has such a proven track record in the last, let's say, 10 years of moving goaltenders up to the NHL level with the Buffalo Sabres. We mentioned Michael Hauser. You got Uka Pekalukkanen. He was a guy that we saw a lot of in the ECHL level. So what Buffalo has proved through the years is that they're going to be open-minded to the guys who are sort of in their feeder system. And so if you land in Cincinnati, you know you're going to be seen. And Beck Warm he's been splitting time with Mark Sinclair Who is a ECHL contracted guy out of, uh, I believe it was Michigan Tech or or Northern Michigan? Um, He's looked very good, but that duo, extremely good for what's been, I think, kind of a surprising Cincinnati team. Like we knew they were going to be good, but they have been battling for, you know, top three position all season long in the division. And, you know, he's been a big part of it. So, you know, I know a long winded answer, but one thing with Cincinnati is they're going to be very offensively focused. And so you have to have a good goaltender, good, reliable goaltender because you're playing teams like Toledo, Fort Wayne, Wheeling that are all going to burn you in transition. And that happens in Cincinnati sometimes, but their goaltending is held up
1: and he's been a big part of it. He's only 23 too. Like that's oh. like the equivalent of like being 20 as a pro, right? You're not the average age of a goaltender in the NHL for instance, is twenty eight years old. So, yeah. you know, they take the longest to develop, but they stay the longest there. So, you know, NHL might be far-fetched right now, but in terms of becoming an NHL goaltender at the very least, he's on the right track for sure.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, the goaltenders, they mature a little bit later. I mean, look at, look at Uka Pekalukunen. I mean, it took him a little bit of while it took him a little while, excuse me, but you know, Beck warm, he's got decent size, about six, one. Uh, but you know, if you watch some interviews with him, I mean, just a really composed, um, you know, uh, Well thought out guy like, you know, you could tell like he really thinks about his game. What do I need to do to improve? And I mean, I I tell you when Fort Wayne plays him and they played him a decent bit. I'm kind of like, okay, we could be in for uh, the Fort Wayne offense could be in for a tough night because this guy does not give up a lot of easy goals. And you know, he's been just one of the strongest guys in the ECHL this year.
1: Let's we're gonna go to coast to coast, Justin Cohn's usual news, notes, and quotes, but we're gonna do a little bit different this time. We had a bit of show miscommunication, so I kind of screwed up a bit on this one. But Justin had a really cool idea where we're gonna about what constitutes a great hockey name and how many of them do we have in the ECHL.
0: Well, here's where it started so I'm watching Allen, yeah, and I'm watching Colton Saucerman, and I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. I like this name. This seems like a good hockey name to me. Saucerman, you know, like sort of on the cusp of some hockey terminology there, like a saucer pass, or I got a lot of sauce on that shot. Man. Uh, Right. So so I'm sort of laughing about it, and I'm like, well, what the heck do I mean by that, by a good hockey name? And I started tweeting about it, and um, this is what I sort of settled on, and you tell me if I'm wrong, when we discuss good hockey names. I feel like it's gotta either be tough sounding, like you gotta you gotta have a tough name if you're gonna be playing hockey, or incorporate some sort of terminology that we associate with the game. Sure. I, I feel like it's gotta roll off the tongue pretty well. Like, like what Dale a, Johnson or something. Well, like like Zarly Zalapsky. Like that's one of my all-time favorites. You know, some alliteration
1: helping there. Zarly Zalapsky. Is it tough or like of like a cartoon character. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like like tune in now for zarli's next adventure but yeah okay
0: well and i also feel like you get extra points for a french canadian name oh, or sure.
1: or a very
0: european name mm-hmm. um i don't know so, but so one of the ones that i liked early on was a guy for the indie fuel which is coltrane wilson <laughs> but then a friend of mine from from high school very long long time friend marla garfield who i didn't know even followed me on Twitter was like, no, no, no. That's not a hockey name. Coltrane Wilson. That's a minor league baseball pitcher. And she, she stopped me in my tracks. Like, I'm like, she's, she's right. Like that's, that sounds like, you know, (laughs) Nuke Lelouch out of, out of Bull Durham, something like that. So I don't know. To me, hockey name, it's gotta be tough. It's gotta have hockey terminology, be very French Canadian, be very European or roll off the tongue, or if you get all of the above, that's great. So let me just give you a couple of my great all-time hockey names. You tell me if I'm on the right track, and then we can okay. talk about ECHL names. So I already said um, uh, Zarly Zalapsky. Jeff Bukaboom. Great name. Right? Uh, I don't know why this is a hockey name. It just is, but Dale Howarchuk. And, 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 right, well – and in the ECHL, by the way, we, we have a Howard Chuck this season, just should be noted. Ben, so right? Yes, yes, Ben Howard. Um Darren Rumble. So I feel like that's tough. That's a guy that's gonna go fight somebody, right? Darren Rumble. Uh Darren Poopa. <laughs>
1: and uh, hold, up, Ron... hold up, hold up. You're you're here telling me about how like, oh, those names will be tough and stuff, and you drop a Darren Poopa. You're and, right. Charlie like, I... Zalevsky. He's like, is this Paw Patrol? <laughs>
0: <laughs> wait, do you even know these guys, or are you saw? No, you
1: think he'd be fake? For all I know. So
0: wait, so you hang on, you're so young that you don't know who Darren Poopa is? No. Okay, I'm gonna have to absorb that for the next year. I'm
1: like, I just had my bar mitzvah last week.
0: What about Ron Tugnut? Have you? Do you know Ron Tugnut? Hey, you're making these up. You and Connor these are, are these are, up. These are serious names. How do you not know these guys? Look them up. These are like all-time great players. Okay. Well, my favorite. How do you spell is- Poopa? By the way, it's like poo. Okay, it's Darren with one R and P U P P A. Okay, Buffalo Sabers legend Darren Pupa. Um, all right, my favorite of all time, I've decided, is Hakan Lube. Hakan Lube, yeah. like he's Hakan, like you, you, you've never heard of him either. No, <laughs> the Calgary Flames legend Hakan Lube. Yes, so that 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 that's. That's falling under the, the, uh, the European name, I think. Probably. All right. So, all right. I feel like I've stunned you with some of these names. These are all legitimate NHL hockey player names. So, here's what I got for my ECHL list. You tell me how you feel about it. Okay. At number 10, I have Chaz Redicop of the South Carolina Stingray. I like it. So we got a Chaz and we got a Redicop. We got, just rolls off the tongue.
1: But his nickname Cop. was copying in the dressing room? It's... So many, so many uh, uh,
0: possibilities for nicknames with him. Uh, I'm not sure why I like this, but the Toledo Walleye's Conlin Keenan. I think it's I sort like of, that. I think I sort of have like, he sounds intelligent and, and he's like, maybe he's related to Mike Keenan. I, I don't know. Uh, the Savannah Ghost Pirates have Darian Skiach, S-K-E-O-C-H. Darian Skiach. I like it. All right. How about Greenville? I don't know if this uh, is a great hockey name or just a great name. Lord Anthony Griss- Grissom. That should be number one. It's funny because I know three guys named Lord Anthony. There's a basketball player. That's and there's a power a, move. Hey, there's,
1: there's a referee in basketball, in professional basketball. If you wave a quick thing, Justin, if you name your kid Lord, that's a power move. Like you're setting the kid up for success. But it's but it's it's one word, Lord Anthony. Oh my gosh! Never mind. It's not a middle name. It's
0: Lord Anthony. Is the Oh name. my god! <laughs> right. Uh, the Wheeling Nailers have Cedric, Dave Rousseau. I'm not like even gonna, not even gonna try and spell it for you, Cedric De Rousseau. I so like if it. You, if you ever hear DJ Abisala, their broadcaster, say his name, it's it's a thing of beauty. Uh, Colton Saucerman, we already mentioned. My top four names: the okay. Fort Lane Comets have Jacob Graves.
1: That's your number four?
0: Known as the Gravedigger, yes. Ooh, I like that. I like that. You like that for your number one, don't you? Um, I like that. uh, At number three of your Reading Royals, Alec Butcher. You like Graves more.
1: No, but Butcher kind of checks off all the boxes you named. Yeah, yeah. I I like it. I feel like
0: I'm going to think twice about going hard into the corner if Alec Butcher is waiting for me. Yeah, the butcher, um, the butcher. At number two, I have Easton Bredzinski. So we got a good hockey name, Easton. Like, yeah. I want you to know that when we thought we might have a son, I was pitching Easton as a name, and my wife was having none of it. She was like, "You can't name your kid after a piece of hockey equipment."
1: When right. I have a kid, I'm gonna name it CCM.
0: What I really wanted was Eastwood. <laughs> I was gonna name my kid Eastwood, but C- okay. CCM Stoller sounds like a rapper to me. um <laughs> All right, so my number one, I cheated a little bit. I have a tie, but they're related, so I think it's allowed. From the Atlanta Gladiators, I went with Josh and Dalton Thrower. Yeah,
1: Dalton Thrower. He played for the Blades, I think.
0: Well, here's why I like them. I feel like the name fits because they fight. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Josh has 13 fights in the last two seasons. Dalton has four. So, I feel like you got to be ready to go out and throw with the Thrower Brothers. They have all the um, teeth? Uh, that I don't know. Um, but an honorable mention here for the best, uh, for the all hockey named team would be the Kalamazoo Wings, because they have the following players Matheson Jacopelli, uh, Tyler Rockwell, Ole Julian Borvik Holm, and. I thought there was another one, but I guess I'm... Oh, Darby Llewellyn. Also oh, I also like that name. So some others that didn't quite make the list for me. Keegan Howdeshell, Marc-Olivier Duquette, Cole Stallard, the Crags the brothers, Sam and Lucas Crags, Brendan Soussay of Trois-Rivières, Vladislav Mikalchuk, Strauss Mann, uh, Jackson Leopard, Bodie Wilde, Coltrane Wilson, and the last one I will give you is Shaw Boomhauer. That might be my favorite, but he's not currently on a roster, so I couldn't include him.
1: Let's get—I'm uh, sure fans listening have some amazing names too that either we're forgetting or that are historical. So be sure to tweet them at um, Sports Icon. Um, you can also tweet me too at JL Staller. Um, but let, let's get those those favorite names out because I'm sure we're missing some. But what I will say to end it off is: Have you ever seen the list of like the WHL? Uh, drafted players like last year, or recently, like the first names. I have not because if it's any indication of what's to come, I think there's some better names that are on the horizon in 2020. Here, that some of the first names of players drafted: um, Bauer, Boston. Um, where's the other one that's insane? Fox with two X's. <laughs> Job, J
0: O B. Wait, wait, wait! Fox with is a first name with two X's? Yeah. What's his, uh, what's his last
1: name? I don't know. It's just someone oh. just gathered all of names. <laughs> one of them is Job. <laughs> one of them is one of them is Van. Um, yeah. So I think I think we're on. A Wait, pass. did you say? Did you say Job? J O B. Yeah, Job.
0: Uh, it, it's probably Job. Just uh, to be clear, oh, that's for sure. Job. <laughs> Job. All right. Well, your your text for or your your text your task for the next week. Yeah, is to dial up some clips of Hawk and Lube and, and Ron Tugnut. Those are your, that's your text. You need to educate yourself on the great names of
1: hockey players from the eighties and nineties. I'll do that. If you buy me a Tugnut Jersey.
0: Ooh, Mm -hmm. if you play your cards, right. I might actually do that. Just kidding.
1: All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening. I hope you learned a little bit about our hockey dictionary, which Justin has authored. This week, we'll be sure to add to it. So, yeah, again, tweet at Justin um, at Sports Icon on Twitter. Tell us your favorite names, the ECHL, minor league hockey. We'll be sure to feature them uh, with the responses we get. But until next time, guys, we're going to send it off there. Thanks for tuning in.